with the best brand of football in Idaho, this is the 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. That's right. Welcome in another edition of the Idaho 8-Man PrepCast on IdahoSports.com. Brandon Bainey is always joined by Will Henneke. Will, what's up? Just living. Just living. You? Yeah. You know, living a little more frantically than others, I suppose. Uh, but yeah. That happens sometimes. <laughs> yeah. For sure. Uh, and some teams are uh, living better than others uh, at this kind of midway point of the eight man season. But uh, for those that may be new or uh, are just tuning in for the first time, this is a weekly breakdown of Idaho's eight man classification for football. One AD one, one AD two. We'll kind of bring you the biggest storylines and kind of preview the biggest matchups. We're not we're not always going to hit every single school and hit every specific game and storyline because otherwise we'd be here for four hours because we're both very verbose people will <laughs> so uh and i i see will just nodding in agreement there so uh, it, it would be fun um but i think we would have a lot of people kind of coming in and out based on where we were talking not too many people would uh help you hitting that, that those start to finish goals Definitely. So we, we try to hit uh, as much as we can in about a 30 to 40 minute window each and every week. And, um, you know, occasionally we hear back, hey, how come you didn't talk about this team or how come you didn't talk about this team? I love the feedback. If there's an athlete, if there is a team, if there's a storyline that you think isn't getting enough attention. I mean, this is what this podcast is really all about. We're trying to shine the spotlight on those those eight man stories. So so send me an email, Brandon at IdahoSports.com. Uh, you can also find both of us on on Twitter, uh, Will and myself. Um, I'm at Brandon underscore Bainey. Uh, we also have the at Idaho eight man uh, Twitter account. Um, or you can leave a comment on on this video, whether you're watching that on YouTube or Facebook. Uh, as well. And yeah, we'll, we'll, we'd love to get the word out about your favorite team yeah. and our favorite players. So yeah. Okay. Now let's dive into it. I thought the game of the week last week was a game that we covered on IdahoSports.com. It was a 1AD1 battle between Oakley and Carey. Paul Kingsbury was on the call and this was a wild back and forth game that really came down to pretty much the very end. Yeah. And it's the thing is, you know, Oakley go, goes out and gets the win there. They made enough plays to make it happen. And and I think we learned that two we learned two really important things in this game. Number one, Carrie in their first year coming up from D1, D2, they can hang with anybody. There, there's nobody that on on any given Friday they can't beat. However, they've shown a little bit of propensity this year to be their own worst enemy. Uh, that season opening loss to Grace, they turned the ball over five or six times. And in, in reading up after the game, uh, Lane Kirkland, uh, after the game, the carry head coach saying that much the same, you know, hey, we we turned the ball over. We had some penalties negate big plays. You know, they kind of got in their own way a little bit. And yet there they are against the number one team in the state right there down into the waning seconds. So they can definitely play. And we know that Oakley can play. We know that Oakley can really play, um, you know, Porter Pickett, uh, Ethan Torbaugh, they're still waiting, from my understanding, hoping to get Bryce Severe back here in the next week or two. Keyshawn Crocker comes up with three interceptions on, on Friday night. So we know that they can play, and Carey is is right there with them. Yeah, Carey uh, led the game uh, at halftime 30-28. to 28. Ultimately, Oakley gets the 42-36 to 36 win 
uh, which means in the in the second half, Oakley does this time and again, right? Raft River jumped out to a big lead against Oakley and then kind of faltered. Oakley is a very strong second half team. So not only you know is it imperative that you get off to a good start against Oakley, but you, you got to keep it going for all four quarters because Oakley, I think the difference we're seeing in these games is the talent is pretty equal, but Oakley is just a little more consistent maybe than those other teams. Yeah, and and whether it's deliberate or whether it's in-game adjustments, they 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 seem to scheme really well there. In that you know things are maybe a little bit more wide open in the first half, and then in the second half, again whether it's by design going in or whether it's literally adjusting on the fly as they see things, they really seem to to tighten things down and almost kind of the old metaphorical they kind of boa constrictor and they just kind of put the squeeze on you in the second half a little bit and. Um, you know, they've had some teams that have been there with them, but then those teams have uh, they've they've kind of run into that boa constrictor, if you will. The one uh, the one difference is is Kendrick, who who beat them a few weeks ago in a game that was played in Cambridge, not too far from where I'm sitting right now. So they <clears throat> they seem to have a, a fairly specific design of, um, you know, they're they're going to they're going to come at you and they're going to figure out where they can tighten down and then they're going to tighten down. And uh, it's up to you to adjust back. And to this point, the only team that has adjusted back enough to win a game is is Kendrick, who might be, classification aside, Kendrick might be the best 1A football team in the state. That's right. And we'll get to Kendrick in, in just a little bit. But now when you look at the Snake River Conference standings, Oakley stands alone at the top. They're 4-1 overall, 3-0 in conference play. And then you've got a tie for second right now between Murtaugh and Raft River. Uh, each team had their own um, kind of runaway wins on Friday. Murtaugh uh, was able to defeat Glens Ferry uh, pretty convincingly, 72-26. to 26. And then Raft River played Valley, and they won 56-6. to six. Um, You know, Murtaugh, I think, isn't getting as much hype as Kerry, Raft River, Glens Ferry, or uh, Oakley, etc. Um, but this is a team we've been talking about for a couple of weeks now. We really like uh, what coach Todd Jensen has down there in Murtaugh. Yeah. He's, they were a playoff team last year. They're most likely going to be a playoff team again this year. They can, they can hit some big plays with you and they can, uh, they can play a little defense too. The question is, is when they have to, are, are they at that tier where they're just good enough or when they go up against an Oakley, a raft river, are, are they going to be able to trade punches with the quote unquote big boys? I think that's the thing that we need to see from Murtaugh, but they're, they're definitely one of the 12 best teams in the state. And as a result, I'd expect them to be in the postseason. how far they go. Once they're there, that's the thing that, uh, you know, they'll, they'll get the, the luxury. I mean, I remember when I was a player, all I wanted was a chance. I just wanted that opportunity to line up across from the big guy to be in the batter's box against the number one pitcher to be defending the best guy on the other team. That's all I wanted was that chance. You know what? If that guy torched me, if that guy blew me up, whatever, okay, at least at least at that point, I had a say in it. And and Murtaugh should have a say in it. And what they do with that say, we'll see. Yeah, in that win over Glens Ferry for Murtaugh, great balance. Uh, Sawyer Young threw for 109 yards and four touchdowns. Chandler Jones, uh, we talked about this a couple weeks ago. I can't remember who we were talking about, but you made the old comparison to Chris Carter. All he does is catch touchdowns. Uh, Chandler Jones, three catches, 64 yards, three touchdowns. So every single reception went for six. And then Eli Merrick had 108 yards and a touchdown on the ground 
for Murtaugh as well. So, I mean, the Red Devils are showing good balance. And you'll notice I didn't even say the name Junior Benitez in that recap as yep, well. And so. that's their and that's their big gun. So if, if you're balanced out and you're scoring and you're winning games without him, without big performances from him, that bodes well. Because when you play uh, a Raft River, when you play an Oakley, when you play a Carey, you know that they're going to know where Junior Benitez is. And, and the idea is going to be that's the guy that we got to stop. So if other players can then in tune make plays, it's going to really increase their chance of, of of playing right with those those bigger you know higher higher ranked teams. Certainly, and it could be if we look ahead to the schedule this weekend, could be a kind of a business as usual type of week in in the Snake River Conference. You've got Oakley hosting Lighthouse Christian Alliance team that is zero and four. They lost to Butte County last week. I mean, all all four teams they've played so far are are going to be playoff teams. Um, can Lighthouse get off the schneid? They'll have to do it against the two-time defending champs, so they'll play Oakley. You've got Raft River at Glens Ferry. Carey is at Valley as well. Um, and so it could be kind of a business as usual. All the big matchups have either already happened or still lie ahead. This week's not going to give us, I don't think, that really compelling matchup. No, all your all your top teams are going to be heavily favored to win, but the flip side of that coin is the underdog is going to have the chance to shock the world, so to speak. And 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 those can be some of the most entertaining ones when the team that is maybe the the, the higher ranked team looks up and all of a sudden it's you know thirty six to twenty eight in the fourth quarter and you're thinking, oh man, this game wasn't supposed to be close. What are we doing here? Um, and it's 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 great to see those kind of games those. Those higher-ranked coaches don't like to see them a whole lot because they don't necessarily want to have to stress as much. But those games in general are just a lot more fun. Definitely. Let's talk about – so Lighthouse Christian lost to Butte County in a non-conference game this past Friday night, a game that we had on IdahoSports.com. Um, they lost that game 60-38, to or I should say Butte County won 60-38. to It was a tight game for a half, and then Lighthouse Christian just kind of – ran out of steam you know something that we don't talk about a lot in eight-man football but was kind of important was uh the two teams are kind of trading score for score in the, in the opening half but butte county pretty consistently was converting their two-point conversions where lighthouse christian really struggled in the two-point conversions and if you do that enough times all of a sudden you're down an extra score without even realizing it right right and then those are the you know they talk about hidden yardage hidden points whatever and conversions um, is is a very good way to put it. You know, that's a very good example of the hidden points. And the way those two teams play football, Lighthouse Christian, they've got a tremendous amount of speed, a tremendous amount of athleticism. They've got a really good quarterback in Justice Schrader. They want to spread you out and throw the ball around. Well, when you're starting from the three-yard line, you don't have a ton of space. The defender has the ultimate defender 13 yards away, in the back of the end zone. So you can't run the deep routes. You can't really spread the defense out as much. You've got to be a little bit more precise and a little bit more efficient. Butte County, on the other hand, Sam Thorngren, the head coach there for years, has basically said, here's what we're going to do. You know, we've, we've got a good line and we've got a bunch of running backs and we're just going to pound you over the head until you submit. And when you're just trying to go three or four yards at a time, that's probably going to be more effective in terms of getting the conversions than trying to spread receivers out and win some some route battles on the outside, if you will, trying to get inside the corner, trying to find a soft hole in the zone, whatever, whatever it may be. It's probably going to be a little more efficient to just run straight ahead and get three yards. 
And you know, I haven't, I haven't got, I want to see Lighthouse Christian with my own eyes because I'm, I'm really interested by what they're doing. And I'm really interested by the collection of athletes that they've got. And you think about it, they play Oakley this week. Okay. They, they've played Butte County. They've played Raft River. Um, they, they they've played, played Grace, who's not ranked, but, but could be, they've played Carrie. Everybody, they have, they have played the top crust uh, of, of 1A 8-man football in, in the Division One classification. They haven't had a layup yet. So, yeah, they're 0-4. But when they start playing in that second tier, are they going to be able to pile up some wins? Are they going to be able to push themselves back into the playoff picture? I mean, you don't want to look at a team that could potentially be 0-5 in a few days and say, that team's a threat in the playoffs, but who's blown them out? Even of who they've played, you know, yeah, Butte County won by 20. It was a close game at halftime. Raft River got after them a little bit. That's probably the one that got away from Lighthouse Christian a lot. But, you know, Kerry didn't – who blew them out? Nobody's really blown them out. So I don't know if that's a team that here in a few weeks, if they win some games and they sneak in with one of those at-large berths, which, again, is a, is a max preps mathematical equation, I don't know that I'm going to be super comfortable seeing that team on the on the on the bracket line right next to me, because it, when they're playing with some confidence and they're playing with some good feels, that could potentially be a scary team to play. Yeah, it's going to be uh, interesting to see how they continue to develop. They've got one more really tough hurdle here, and then we'll see how they can adjust. Let's talk about Butte County because you mentioned they've got this stable of running backs. They also, you know play several guys at the quarterback position as well you know Corey Gamut and Brody Westergaard both see time um Corey Gamut had two rushing touchdowns threw a touchdown pass to Trayton Allen Allen rushed for a touchdown Rebel Beard Braxton Gamut both scored touchdowns uh, and then Brody Westergaard I thought really put the game to bed right before halftime Westergaard hits Boston Anderson, the tight end for for a Pirates touchdown, and then Westergaard returns the opening kickoff of the second half for a touchdown as well. So that really is what put the game away. But there's not one guy on that Butte County team that you can say, okay, if we stop him, we've got a great chance. They've got yeah. so many different playmakers. Well, and we've talked about on this podcast. I was saying week one, if if Trayton Allen, if he was a guy that was getting twenty to twenty five touches per game. He's a 1A Division I state player of the year candidate in my mind. But the way they play, I just don't know that they play that way. You know, he'll get his 12 carries. He'll get his 15 carries. But you just you, – you also the, – the way they design, the way they run their offense, all those other players are going to get their touches as well. So it's not – you're right. They're one of those teams, much like Kamii up north. They're one of those teams where it's not – there's not a dude. There's – four or five dudes and that's going to make them hard to compete against definitely let's talk about um the other team that resides uh in the uh 1a d1 high desert conference uh, or i guess there's a uh, chalice Mackey as well the co-op mm-hmm. um but in terms of you know teams that are pushing the rankings in the coaches poll or, or the media poll grace gets another win 42 to 36 over rockland um it was nice to see the Rockland offense finally kind of, you know, shake off the rust a little bit and, and get a big game. You know, it's a one score game. Grace has had a lot of tight games 
this year, right? The seven nothing win over Kerry, forty two thirty six over Rockland this past week. But they're, they're winning. They're four and one. And you uh, you mentioned this on Twitter uh, that you know they're not ranked in any of the polls. And are people sleeping on the Grace Grizzlies a little bit? The only way we're going to find out is when they play Butte here in a, in a couple weeks, and that game is is going to be in Arco. Uh, I think that is going to be the true measuring stick. And you're right. You look at a lot of these games, they've been very close. They they have not allowed – and the thing in eight-man football, we talk about this, and a lot of people who follow the 11-man game, they don't get that. They, they see a team scoring 30 points, and they think, man, the offense went off. 30 points in eight-man football is not bad defensively. It's basically four touchdowns where you're playing on the same size field with three less defenders – to cover that entire space. So you look at it, you know, 0, 30, 8, 8, and then 26 last week. They're not giving up many points. And, and you can talk all you want about high-flying offenses and, you know, oh, they scored 80, they scored 82, they had somebody run for 400 yards. But you go back and you look at past brackets. You look in. You look in the the in the eight man tournaments, the football playoffs. The teams that have ultimately succeeded have been the teams that have been able to make some stops. And Grace right now is a team that is making enough stops to win games. You know they they had. Uh, I'm looking here. Uh, 56 points against Water Springs. That was their high water mark in terms of of scoring. They don't score a ton. Okay comparatively they don't give up a ton and that in the eight-man game can go a long way because you got to figure that barring something pretty weird they're going to be in the playoffs one way or another whether they're that seed a out of out of district five and six because right now none those three teams haven't played a league game yet so there's not a first place team or a second place team or whatever so the first place team is going to be seed a they're going to get a bye okay that second team and maybe third team, if, if Chalice Mackey can sneak in and in, in, in that large situation, they're going to play in that that uh, opening round or preliminary round or whatever they call the, uh, those at-large games that, that come the week before. But Grace is another team because they can get some stops and they can get after you defensively. That's another team that I think that there are going to be a lot of coaches that are not going to be too crazy to see them uh, on that opposing line when uh, when it comes to playoff time. Definitely. Um, and so in terms of the schedule this week, uh, Grace has the week off, so we, we won't have a chance to talk about them. Um, you've got, and this isn't a game that was originally on the schedule, so um, this is uh, one that was added to, but you've got Butte County now playing Murtaugh. That should be a pretty interesting non-conference battle. First uh, time I, hearing of it right now. You're breaking yeah. news to me right now. Yeah, that's a that's a great matchup, and that's the thing is is coach Coach Thorngren and the Pirates. Um, they'll play. You know, they'll they'll go play. They don't seem terribly worried about you know here, there, anywhere. You know, big team, small team. They'll they'll go play, and and I like that. I I like the concept of no fear. Let's just go play. You know, let me double check that. I don't. I don't know. I'm getting good information here. Uh, that was listed on. I'll, I'll admit that was listed on Max Preps. Oh, so I'm, in, oh, I'm inclined I'm to. Paul. It I'm was telling Paul. <laughs> I mean, because we didn't we didn't have this is originally a bye week for Butte County, but I'm wondering if since they had a game get canceled on them, they tried to fill the date they in. Found a way to fill it in. Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Possibly. 
stay tuned. Well, I'll, I'll try to get to the bottom of this. I'm, I'm not Here's seeing what I'm going to do while you're setting up the next question. I'm going to text Coach Thorngren and see what he says. Yeah, okay. That sounds great because I was trying to look on the Murtaugh School website. I didn't see it there. So, anyways, this is what we do. We're news breakers. So we <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're getting this. Cue the little breaking news music. Yeah, right, exactly. Uh, Ch- Chalice Mackey is the third team from District 5-6. They played Water Springs uh, on Friday and only lost 26-14. to So I thought that was pretty encouraging for Chalice Mackey. They are 1-3. They got that win over Clark County um, a couple weeks back. And Chalice Mackey will be playing North Gem this week. So that should be an interesting uh, D1 versus D2 matchup as well. Let's Let's go up north to the White Pine League where... I think the the most surprising, not surprising, I guess, but the the result that stood out right away was Logos getting a Thursday night win over Lapway, sixty six to fifty six. We haven't really talked about the Knights too much, right? They've they've got a big team, but they're they're really short on upperclassmen. They've got a lot of you know young guys that they're leaning on, but they get a ten point win over a Lapway team that admittedly had some key players get injured. Herschel Williamson, their running back, uh, Elias here out their wide receiver, both left with injuries, but a nice win for Logos. Who's now two and three overall. Yeah. And that's a team that started zero and three. And now much like we've talked about with lighthouse Christian, they had a chance to kind of punch their way back into that playoff race with that win over Lapway. And they've got a couple other games coming up. I believe they play potlatch this week. If they can get a win against potlatch, then I think they're they're firmly in that playoff in that playoff picture right there. You know we don't know exactly what goes into those playoff um, seedings, if you will, for to be an, an eight man game, or I'm sorry, uh, be one of those eight man qualifiers, one of those qualifying teams. So we don't know how close or how far away a team might be, but if Logos can start picking up some wins and they've proven the ability to do some things on on offense, Jack Driscoll, the quarterback, a couple of a really strong games in a row. Seamus Williams, uh, Williams Wilson. I'm sorry, uh, a nice game uh, catching the ball last weekend. They've they've got some playmakers that are going to be tough to deal with. Um, you know, they're going to need to make some stops on defense. But I, they've they've put themselves in a position. And again, like we we're just saying, all you can ask for is that chance. They put themselves in a position for their games over the next few weeks to matter and and give them that chance to play their way in. And right now. In talking to several coaches up in the White Pine League, there, there's not a tremendous separation between the top and the bottom, if you will. There's a lot of a lot of uh, parity there. Uh, Justin Podrabsky pointing out that when when uh, Genesee played uh, Prairie, they were up 16 to nothing. Angus Jordan, the, the team star quarterback, sprains his ankle, has to leave the game. They wind up losing the the game by a final score. I, I think it was 50 to 24. So it, it kind of turned a little bit when you when you took that that star player out. But point being, when Genesee, who has struggled this year, when they had Jordan, they were making plays. They were in the game. They even had the lead, um, and then they lose him, and, and that pendulum kind of swings. But that's how slim that margin is. On on a given night, a team can make some hay, can do some damage, um, and whether that's Genesee, whether that's Logos, whether that's Troy. You know, and we, we certainly haven't talked a whole lot about Troy on this podcast, but that's another team that, you know, they're they're finding themselves in position where, hey, you know, how about that? How about that Trojan group? You know, how, how about them? Let's not forget about them. 
Yeah, the white pine standings are are fascinating uh, to to examine right now. I did want to mention real quick for Logos. You talked about Jack Driscoll, three hundred eighty-eight yards, five touchdowns, throwing one hundred sixty yards, four touchdowns, rushing. He also intercepted three balls on defense, yep. and and Seamus Wilson eight catches for two hundred forty-nine yards and three touchdowns. You you mentioned Prairie beat Genesee. Genesee was up sixteen nothing after one quarter, sixteen to twelve at halftime. And then Prairie outscores them 24-0 in the third and and coupled with the injury pretty much puts that game away. The game of the week in 1A D1 football and maybe in all of eight-man football, though, was that that 12-mile rivalry between Kamii and Clearwater Valley. This was basically a battle for first place in the White Pine. Now, Prairie, of course, is still undefeated as well, 3-0 in the league. Um, but the winner of this was going to be uh, tied with Prairie for first place in the league standings. And this was a, a tight back and forth game. Clearwater Valley led 22 to 20 after three quarters of play. But Kamii gets a pair of short touchdown runs from quarterback David Clute in the fourth quarter to earn the come from behind win 34 to 22. What a great win for the Cubs. You know, and you mentioned you mentioned Clute, the quarterback. He's their third or fourth option when it comes to running the ball. And that's what Kamii does. They run the football. Um, but, uh, you know, you've you got Colton O'Kane, you got Colton Sams, you got a number of players up there that are going to be able to carry the ball. And then at the end of the day, when things are going well for Kamii, they're, they're spreading the ball among three or four ball carriers. They're running the ball about 45 to 50 times a game, and they're running for about 300 yards. If they do that, if they're able to stay on that script, they do well. And, and you know, it's you know how the weather can get up in that general area once we get into October. It's conducive to that style of play, you know, being able to control the clock and being able to control possession and being able to push the defense around a little bit. So Kamii is a team that is definitely going to bear watching going forward, very much so. And Clearwater Valley, you know, second loss, uh, but it doesn't doesn't really hurt them that much. I mean, their two losses are Kamii and uh, Notice at this point, a very good team out of District 3. So those are both teams, like you say, that, you know, those are teams that I expect playing in the month of November. And I think that either one of them on, on a given night has a chance to to make some noise, but I like what Kamii is doing because it's a it's a balance, and it's it's much like with Butte County. It's not even though Colton O'Kane may be the guy who, you know, runs for 150 yards a game, so he gets the bulk of it. They've got three, four other kids that if if you're going to try and scheme specifically to stop O'Kane, well, here's Colton Sams getting a lot of just body blows going the other way and, and maybe he's not hitting the home runs but he's getting six seven eight yards a, a pop and you can be effective with those other weapons if somebody schemes to take away your one not every team has that luxury Kamii does and now if you look at the white pine standings everybody's kind of separated themselves into tiers and so in tier one you have Kamii and prairie both three and oh in tier two, it's Potlatch and Clearwater Valley, both two and one. The third tier is Troy and Logos. They're both one and two. And then I never thought I would see this, but Lapway and Genesee currently at the bottom of the standings, both 0-3 in league play. Lapway was, again, the preseason favorite in the coaches poll that we conducted on IdahoSports.com. But they, I think, are really starting to feel the attrition of losing a lot of big-time playmakers. So well, you, oh, mentioned, you, know, you mentioned – you mentioned – Two players left their last game with injury. 
two important players transferred over the summer. Okay, you're taking four important two-way players off of an eight-man field. That's basically half half your team that you're having to replace. And and Lapway has some numbers, and they've got athletes. They've got a lot of athletes. But you take four kids out, you're replacing them with four kids with a little bit less game experience, a little bit less game savvy, if you will, um, and, and awareness just because they haven't played as much at the varsity level. It's going to have an impact. I didn't expect this much impact. I'll tell you that. Um, I'll, but I will also tell you this, and it feels like if there's a theme to this, it's, you know, any given Friday, Lapway is still a team I'm not crazy about playing. Uh, Terrell Allenwood Jones, that's a that's a kid that every time you look at the box score, he fills it up. And when it when we get into this situation, if if Williamson's going to be out, if you're out's going to be out, and he doesn't have as much help, it's going to make it harder on him. But but he seems to be a pretty effective playmaker for them, and he's going to give them a puncher's chance in a lot of situations. Definitely. So the way these tiers are are set up right now, where there's you know Kamii Prairie at the top, Potlatch, Clearwater Valley next, Troy Logos, and then Lapoy Dynasty. I'm not sure that's how the final standings will look, but that's just kind of how they appear right now. Lapway will play at Troy. This this is the, like this is the game for Lapway, right? If they're if they're going to climb the mountain, if they're going to get back into the race, if they're going to try and get a playoff spot, they got to win this game at Troy. Yeah, um, the margin's thin for them, and and it's the same for Logos, and frankly, it's the same for Troy. Um, if if they want to do something, that's there's there's no time to wait. You're going to have to start getting it done now, and you don't really have the luxury of oh well. If you, if your goal is the playoffs, if your goal is to go to the postseason, your goal is to make some noise there, in a, in a not a literal standpoint because it's not a loser out situation. The playoffs are starting now. A loss for for a lot of these teams in the White Pine right now that you know, like for Lapway, like for Genesee, uh, a, a loss for any of those teams is going to put their playoff hopes on really on life support. Yeah, it's kind of like the lighthouse Christian thing, right? Where you see the yeah, potential, but at exactly. some point, at some point, you gotta actually, you know, get a win. And this is kind of the same thing happened to them last year. So, so yeah, so you've got Lapway at Troy. Genesee will be at Clearwater Valley to take on a Rams team that I'm sure is motivated following that tight loss to Cami. Mm -hmm. You've got Potlatch at Logos, and now all of a sudden, you know, Logos can take another step and really muddy up the the conference standings. Potlatch can try and keep pace with their contemporaries near the top. And then, of course, the game of the week, I think, uh, probably an eight-man football. Kamii at Prairie. Winner will be all alone in first place in the White Pine standings. Yeah, that's a great matchup. And I think that that Potlatch-Logos one is a uh, a very low-key great matchup as well because uh, Ryan Ball, the Potlatch head coach, he's got a bevy of weapons, Jack Clark, uh, Avery Palmer, Wyatt Johnson. He's got a number of kids who can make plays there, and and they've shown that they can play ball. You know what I mean? Their only loss right now, their loss in league, was by less than a touchdown, if I'm not mistaken, to Prairie. So they're they're right there too, and if if they're able to get this win and they're able to put themselves, they would be three and one in White Pine play, and they would be tied for second with either Prairie or Kamii with games going forward. Uh, but you know that that's a team potlatch that I know a lot of people were, uh, you know, a lot of people thought you know that that's a team that might make a little noise coming into the season, and that noise is is starting to come. The loggers are starting to make a little bit of that noise.
Definitely. And uh, we'll, we'll wrap up District 3 where uh, Notice beat Wilder 64-14. to Rimrock defeated Greenleaf Friends 76-8. to So Rimrock now at 500-2-2, but this continues to kind of be Notice's show. And, um, you know, everybody else is uh, just kind of trying to uh, reestablish their programs uh, in kind of a roundabout way. Get more kids, get more results. Um, but Notice continues to cruise there this week on the schedule. Greenleaf Friends will be at Idaho City. Wilder will play Rimrock. You know, if Rimrock can win that game, they've got a real shot at, you know, possibly taking second place in the conference. Uh, yeah, and they can, you know, depending again, depending on that mysterious mathematical equation, they could maybe sneak themselves into consideration as well. And, uh, you know, they got the big week, the big win over Greenleaf Friends and uh, Ronaldo Gomez and Aiden Akiso. They've got some kids that can play down there. Their problem, their problem's depth. They just, they don't have a ton of bodies. They've uh, on any given year, Rimrock's going to have a few kids that can play. It's just a matter of what happens if one of those kids gets hurt or one of those kids is unable to play in a game for whatever reason. But if they can pick up a couple wins and then they can play notice and, uh, you know, if they're able to kind of hang with notice when when that comes, maybe, you know, maybe they have. I mean, uh, until they tell you no, you got to play like the answer is going to be yes. And, and you know, both them and Greenleaf, if they can find a couple more wins – they they're giving themselves every much of a reason to to hope for the best when it comes to I mean however they do it if there's some sort of selection <laughs> selection show or something or if just all of a sudden an email pops up that just goes bing here are the matchups I don't know exactly how that part works but um, you know hey keep competing like you're gonna be in until they tell you you're not in you know there's no selection show but I'm gonna put this out there. You know, let's let's get that hype train going. You and me can host the uh, the bracket selection It'd show. It'd be fun. Yeah, we can have cameras, you know, set up with the various teams. That'd be a lot of fun for sure. Yep. Um, okay, let's let's talk about one AD two football. Uh, we'll start up in the White Pine League. That's where Kendrick uh, resides. The the top dog. They're five and zero. They beat Lewis County eighty to nothing. That's not surprising necessarily. I still think Lewis County is a really good football team. Kendrick is just like other universe good oh yeah the, the, kendrick's that good uh, i asked saint hobart i'm like okay so here's the deal take out uh well let's not take out that oakley game let's include that oakley game which is a tremendous matchup between number one and number one a game that kendrick won um a few weeks ago i, I said coach hobart how many different kids do you have that have scored a touchdown this year and bear in mind they played five football games they've had 13 different kids score touchdowns 13. There are some eight-man rosters in this state that don't have 13 kids, period, let alone 13 touchdown scores. So you talk about balance. You know, you talk about Kamiai. You talk about Butte County. Let's go ahead and throw Kendrick in there as well. You know, Ty Kep, fantastic quarterback. Uh, the Hewitts, Hunter Taylor. You know, we can, we can keep going down the list, you know, obviously, because they keep finding different kids to score touchdowns every week. Yeah, I know uh, Wyatt Fitzmorris has, you know, had big games this year. Yep. Yeah, you could just go on and on and on. The the result up north to me that was kind of made me kind of, you know, stop for a second was the other game up there. Timberline was playing Deary. And I, you know, I really thought, you know, Timberline's coming off back-to-back playoff appearances. And Deary is a team that's kind of been down for a couple of seasons. And, and yet it was a one-score game. Timberline did win but it was 40 to 32. So I'm wondering if that gap is starting to close. 
Um, you know, I still view that Timberline Lewis County game as the game that's going to decide that second playoff spot. Deary, it felt like coming into the year, Deary was on the upswing, but maybe was a year away. Um, and I think that we're seeing that. I go, the, pro- the, the problem would be is that I don't know that anybody in the White Pine is going to get demonstratively weaker. Um, you know, maybe, uh, I, I believe Ty Hambly, the, the all-everything quarterback linebacker for Lewis County, I believe he's a senior. So maybe Lewis County comes down a half peg or something. But, um, you know, Timberline's best player, Rylan West, the running back, he's just a junior, closing in on a a thousand yards in five weeks. Um, you know, Deary has some some good younger players as well. So, you know, notice gets the attention, or I'm sorry, not notice. Kendrick gets the attention, and deservedly so. They've earned every bit of it because they're a phenomenal football team. Probably the best eight man team in the state. They're probably better than a fair number of eleven man teams. Let's be honest here. I think it's kind of overshadowed the fact that that. Deary might be coming up a little bit. Lewis County plays some pretty good football. Don't pay any attention to that outcome against Kendrick. Kendrick would make a lot of eight-man football teams look pretty pretty bad. Um, and, and and Timberline Timberline's got some players as well. It's not a it, it's not a bad conference. Um, you know there there's some depth issues with other teams just because of the number of available bodies. Uh, but there, there are some athletes, there are some players, and there are some competitors, and there are some good coaches. I mean, let's let's say that too. There's some good coaches uh, elsewhere in the White Pine. It's just that that Kendrick is clearly right now, um, and and barring injuries for the foreseeable future. Because remember, they've only got like three or four seniors on this year's team. They only had one last year. They've only got three or four this year. Kendrick's the class of that that league. But there are other teams that can play a little football in that league. Definitely, and it's kind. Of, this is kind of an interesting quirk in the schedule. I guess I didn't look back to see if they do this, but it's a universal bye week. All four teams are off this week, Will. So that's kind of interesting. Say well. that again. I want to make sure I heard you right. All all four teams are off this week: Timberline, no. Deary, Kendrick, and Lewis County. All have the week off. It's like a mid a mid season break or something. The All Star break. Yeah, it's yeah, kind of cool, um, kind kind of different for sure. Um, so you know, Timberline and Kendrick both one and zero in league play, and it's Lewis County and Deary both zero and one. Let's stay up north in in the North Star League, where uh, you had Clark Fork shut out Kootenay forty eight to nothing. Um, I'm trying to think. Mullen St. Regis played Lakeside and won seventy four to twenty two as well. Again, you know, kind of it's kind of like with Kendrick, right? This is Mullen St. Regis's deal, and you've got probably Wallace and Clark Fork, we think, competing. But uh, Lakeside's getting there, right? They're they're getting there slowly. You can you can kind of see the potential. They're kind of like maybe a Deary, right? Maybe a year away. They're a young team. They're they're definitely a young team. And and Wallace, the key for Wallace has been health. You mentioned Landon Streeter, their uh, explosive quarterback, didn't play for a couple weeks, so. How quickly do they get him back in the lineup? They still have Parker Goldade. They still have some other players who can play. Uh, but if if they're not healthy, you got to think that Clark Fork, they don't necessarily have an easy path, but they have a very direct path to that second playoff spot out of the North Star. Yes, and so when we look at the schedule for this weekend, what games are on tap? You've got Lakeside at Clark Fork. That'll be a pretty interesting battle. And then Wallace at Kootenai. 
Um, this was a game for Mullen St. Regis that, again, kind of got added to the schedule. It wasn't ori- on their original schedule of games, but head coach Stetson Spooner and uh, Jesse Allen from St. Regis, the Montana side, using those Montana connections to pick up another non-conference game with a Montana school. Yeah, they are going in Montana. To- they're going to play that one in St. Regis. Yeah, so they're going to go, uh, I think what or I saw. Or in Montana, I should say. Yeah, so they're gonna. So the team they're playing is is Chinook, and they're kind of over up on the northern north central. You're pointing at something there, like we can see what you're pointing at. (laughs) Yeah, right. So here's the map. Um, They're kind of up here on the north central. Mullins down over here. Haver. Yeah, it's not far from Haver. Actually, I actually uh, I I called a couple of Chinook games in my career when I was first starting out in Montana. Okay, and so they're going to kind of meet in the middle in Eureka, Montana, which is like thirty miles from Canada. So they're going to kind of meet in the middle in Montana. Interesting. Yeah, it's a very interesting um, game, and I'll tell you, this is really going to help Mullen St. Regis in the Max Preps rankings because Chinook is no joke. They are an eight-man power in the state of Montana. They are six and zero this season, so a, a win or even a good showing here for Mullen St. Regis would would do wonders for their Max Preps ranking. And Chinook also has, I think, one of the best team names in in they're they're always brought up in these conversations of the oh, craziest high school mascots. And David okay. Letterman gave him a shout out one time. They're the Chinook Sugar Beaters. Sugar Beaters. Yeah, let me see if yeah, let me see if I can share my screen to show you what the um, logo looks like. It's a really cool uh, deal. But uh, again, I like the creativity from Stetson Spooner and Mullen to come up with uh, a unique non-conference game that's going to help their Max Preps ranking. Well, and just where they're at, just geographically. Options are somewhat limited as far as picking up non-conference games. You're most likely going either into Montana or into Washington just because there aren't a ton of um, like-level eight-man football teams up in northern Idaho. You know, you're looking at a Deary, who they have played in years past, a Timberline, who they have played in years past, Kendrick. You know, they, they've played some of those teams, but, you know, you can't just you can't go back to that same well time and time and time again. Schedules just don't always work that way, so... When you got a week to fill, and and Coach Spooner, for people who don't know, was a he played college football in Montana. He was a coach in Montana before he came to Mullen. You know Jesse Allen, the 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 Regis, you know portion of the coaching staff there, St. Regis. He's obviously a Montana guy. Use the connections, you know, get some good matchups, get some good games in. Absolutely. Yeah, let me. I'm gonna slap this logo up on the screen now for the Chinook Sugar Beaters. Will. What do you think? It's a it's like a sugar That's beater crazy. guy, and then the legs are the actual beaters. I, I like that. Except he, it sort of looks like a carrot. Uh, I know, right? Yeah, it does look a little bit like a carrot for sure. But yeah. I don't know. I mean, short of changing your school colors to to green and black, make right. it look a little bit more like sugar cane. Maybe I don't know. I yeah. like. I love the creativity. I love it. I mean, it's it's not just your ordinary, you know, roaring roaring panther or something like that it's something <laughs> different it's something unique i like it yeah for sure so that's the uh, chinook sugar beaters mullen st regis will be playing them in a non-conference battle in eureka montana very confusing i know <laughs> let's let's move to uh district three let's just kind of make our way numerically across the landscape here uh the 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 big showdown was horseshoe bend against council right the two mm-hmm. teams that everybody thought were going to compete for the league title and 
Uh, Council picks up a 44 to 26 win. I was pretty impressed with the Lumberjacks ability to put Horseshoe Bend away. Yeah, they've got a good team. White Vining and other players there in Council. They're a solid team. Um, and and Horseshoe Bend still going to be heard from before it's all said and done. And um, if, if I'm not mistaken, you said there are three berths on the line out of District 3. And I think realistically there are four teams competing for those three berths. Um, and, and two of the four go head-to-head this week in, in Garden Valley, who's off to a tremendous start at 4-0, and then Tri-Valley. Uh, those two teams are going to be playing this week, and I, I think it's in Garden Valley. So that means it'll be an afternoon kick up there, you know, with the mountains and just a fantastic setting up there. Um, but, you know, Horseshoe Bend, they're going to kind of have to claw their way back into it now. Uh, they're good enough to do it. They're absolutely talented enough to do it, but they're going to have to get it done on the field because right now Council has kind of pushed themselves out that half step ahead. The winner of this of, of Garden Valley and Tri-Valley will push themselves a half step out ahead, and then it's it's going to be kind of a, a dogfight uh, to see who gets in position for that third spot. And, you know, let's not, let's not rule out the possibility that a Cascade or a Salmon River pulls an upset somewhere in there and, and makes it even more convoluted as the, as the month of October ro- rolls on. Yeah, uh, Cascade, I think, is a sneaky team to keep an eye on for sure. They've definitely got some good athletes. Uh, so, yeah, Garden Valley defeats Meadows Valley 66 nothing. You had Sa- uh, Tri-Valley with the victory over Salmon River, 44-30. to 30. So in my mind, you know, maybe Garden Valley is still a half a step ahead of Tri-Valley. I, we'll find Probably. out on Friday, right? Yeah, I mean, that's 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 why you play it. And, um, you know, we've talked a lot about teams whose windows are maybe, you know, just starting to open. I think Tri-Valley's is just starting to open. I think they've got a very young team uh, that, that, you know, Gage Warren and, and the rest of that crew, I think next year is really going to be their team or their year to potentially punch through. Garden Valley is pretty young. You know, Tacoma Kelly is not exactly an old man. You know, he's he's still got years to go there. Um, they've got a good balanced football team there too. So, um, you know, they're, they're going to be dangerous too. That should be a fun game. I do think that Garden Valley likely is, is maybe just a pinch ahead, but it's not like Tri-Valley is just going to show up and say, you know, we're happy to be here and we're going to take our beating and go home. They're they're a team that has a chance to to punch back, and that's what's going to make that game interesting. Is is who blinks first? Definitely. And for all the Tri Valley fans that are going, that Brandon Bainey's an idiot. He has no idea. You're right. I picked Horseshoe Bend to beat Council last week, and they did not. So <laughs> I'll definitely wear it when I'm wrong with my yep. predictions for sure. So uh, Council is at Meadows Valley this week as well. And uh, you've got Salmon River at Horseshoe Bend over in District 3. District 4, we ha- we talked about there was kind of this glob of, of unbeaten teams or teams that had gotten off to really good starts. Camas County, Castle Ford, Dietrich, and Hagerman. And the first domino was going to fall Friday when Hagerman played Castle Ford. Uh, Hagerman kind of hung early, got a pick six on defense that kind of kept him in it, but Castle Ford in the second half really piled it on, and, and the Wolves win 52 to 12 over Hagerman. So Castle Ford now four and zero. Hagerman drops to three and two. Yeah, and Castle Ford's another one of those teams, much like Grace in the Division One ranks. They play really good defense. They don't give up a ton of points. They don't give up a ton of big plays, and they do enough on offense. That's going to make them. That's going to make them a factor going forward. And um, you know, you talk about teams being a little bit ahead. Uh, you know, at the beginning of the year. I was thinking Dietrich, Castleford, Camas County. Um, I, and in that order was kind of where they were in my mind. Um, 
maybe it's 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 flipped around a little bit. It's changed up a little bit, but I still think it's mostly those three teams with Hagerman on the outside looking in. Maybe Hanson. I've talked to a couple coaches who have said, you know, Hanson has some players. They just again, they don't have a lot of depth. So if if something goes wrong for them, it it can snowball on them fairly quickly. But the the Huskies do have some some kids who can play, and they can be a factor. But um, you know, it's you, you look. I, I think that those top three teams are. Um, you know, I'm not putting them in ink as the top three yet, but I'm 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 reaching for the pen a little bit. That that in some order, Camas County, Castleford, and Dietrich are going to be the top three out of that league. Yeah, that Castle Four team kind of reminds me of Butte County, where they've got a lot of guys that they, they can rely on. Jamie Ramos has been fantastic. Uh, his first year as the starting quarterback for Castle Ford. Ethan Rowland, of course, he's 6'3", 180, such a big body out at wide receiver. Yep. Um, but they've got Jose Alvarado, who's played well. Gus Wiggins is a bruiser at running back. And then probably my favorite guy uh, in, in eight-man football, and it's you know, because of his play, but also because of the jersey number he wears, Gabe Mahana from Castleford. He's number seventy-seven, but he plays yeah. running running back, and so it's so cool to see him all the time. Uh, because that was the number I wore in high school was seventy-seven, and I was really? not, I was not doing the things that Gabe Mahana does. You were you were not a running back. I was uh, eleven man football left tackle, paving the way for guys like Gabe. So. Hey, left tackle at least. I was a wide receiver slash tight end, if you can believe that. Cool. Hey, that's awesome. Uh, so yeah, Gabe Mahana is a guy I just marvel at every week too when I go back and, and look at the highlights. So Castle Ford looking very good. Obviously, Camas County wins 76 to nothing over Shoshone. Uh, Sage Patton, 139 yards and two touchdowns. Tyson Tupper had 65 yards and two scores on the ground. They're another one of these teams that we've talked about, you know, Oakley, Kendrick. Uh, Castle Ford, Butte County, they just have so many playmakers. Yeah. There's not one guy. You didn't even mention the three Smiths. Um, you know, uh, you've got th- three of them that can make plays, and then you've you listed three other guys who aren't Smiths <laughs> who can make plays. So, and, and and their calling card all year has been speed. They're they're they've they've got speed. They're able to make plays on the edge. Uh, they're able to make some plays downfield, and they've also been very opportunistic on defense. They've probably got somewhere in the neighborhood of four or five interception return for touchdowns this year. They've returned some kicks for touchdowns. They can beat you in different aspects. They can beat you in different facets. You know, Troy Troy and Tristan uh, Smith, Cody Smith, all of them capable of of hurting you in different ways. And they're going to be a tough team. They're going to be a very tough team. And in that matchup that they have coming up Friday, which we'll get to, um, I will let you be the one to, to unveil that one. That one's going to be a very interesting matchup because I think it's two. Uh, it's it's a matchup of not necessarily contra- contrasting styles, but contrasting strengths. Definitely, um, Dietrich also got a win over Hanson, fifty-eight to eight. So the schedule now uh, this week you've got Dietrich uh, hosting Shoshone. Uh, Hagerman is at Hanson in kind of an interesting game. You know, uh, you're yep. you're bullish on Hanson, and I've been impressed with Hagerman. Um, but the but the game, I mean, the game is uh, four o'clock. Actually, it might be three thirty up in Fairfield, Castleford at Camas County. The next big domino is going to fall, not just you know in terms of this conference, the Sawtooth Conference, but statewide. This is a game people are going to notice. Yeah, this is. I mean, you're two versus three, two versus four. You know, something along those lines in terms of your various state rankings, and you've got a team. It's able to do it with a lot of explosiveness 
and you've got going up against a team that is pretty stifling defensively. Um, and so it's going to be really interesting to, to, to see how that game unfolds. Is, is Camas County going to be able to find some lanes against that good Castle Ford defense and create some gash plays, create some big plays? Uh, and then likes on the flip side of the coin, and every time I've asked this question, Camas County's defense has basically answered the bell. Are they going to be able to take away what Castle Ford wants to do? If you've got Ethan Rowland, you know, you mentioned six foot three, 180 pounds on the outside. If you've got him uh, running patterns, is, is Camas County's defense, are they going to be able to match up with that? And so far, they've been able to do it. And it's largely been Cody Smith, who's he's not six, 380 pounds. I can tell you that. But, you know, he's a baseball player, he's a wrestler, he's a rodeo guy, he's super, super competitive, and he's super, super tough. And, you know, he may only be 5'8, five, 5'9. Five, I don't know what his exact dimensions are, but he's not going to back down from a challenge. And, and him on the outside, he, he gives them. Um, a little bit of something, you know, as far as, as cover corners go that allows Camus to maybe um, focus on stopping the run a little bit more and say, you know what, Cody, we, we trust you on the outside. We, we trust you to kind of close down that half of the field, to close down those routes. And, and if he's able to do that and if Camus County is able to do that, like I say, which team takes away the other teams? Which team neutralizes the other team's strength? That's that's going to be your winner. And I know it sounds obvious, but it's not always as easy as it sounds. Right. And I promised we wouldn't peek ahead to the bracket and start speculating and stuff until October. But I have to. I, I have to because it's really interesting the way this predetermined eight man bracket shakes out where we've got kind of this big three Dietrich. Camas County, Castle Ford. There's three playoff spots from District 4 available. In a twist, nobody from District 4 gets a first-round bye. The District 4 champ is the one league champion that does not receive a first-round bye. Districts 1, 2, 3, and then 5 and 6 get those first-round byes. So there's no yeah. inherent advantage there in terms of winning the conference. But the key no, is I'm going to... You just want to be in a position to play at home. <laughs> one way or the other. Right. Um, but I mean, like I say, I mean, I think we, we have a pretty good idea of who the three teams are going to be. It's just which line are they going to fall in on? The key is you still want to win that conference title because even though you don't get a first round by, you get a, a, a setup in the bracket. There's, there's no easy path, but it's, it's a lot uh, easier when you don't have to face Kendrick. Uh, the second and third place teams from district four will be on the top half of the bracket along with Kendrick and, you know, probably council if they win district three. So there's your advantage to being the A seed is yes. being opposite of Kendrick. Yes, you've got. Th so the advantage okay. is if you win that first round playoff game, then you're playing the champion from district five and six in the quarterfinals. And we've, we've, and we'll talk about five and six here to wrap up, but we've talked about that. They might be a little down as a conference this year, Rockland, North gem and water Springs. And also uh, on that half of the bracket would be the champion from District 1, which is Mullen St. Regis. So that kind of sets up as an interesting bracket where um, maybe you have to travel a, a far distance, but I don't know. Those are a lot easier games to sell stomach than, you know, Kendrick Council on the top half of that bracket. Maybe that's just... Uh, yeah, yeah. I, I do think that's interesting, though, because you take that the two and the three seed at district four. I mean, there have been people and count me among them who have said, if there is someone that is going to beat Kendrick, I think it might be a team from district four, now, whether that's Dietrich, whether that's Castleford, whether that's Camas County, who knows, 
But if that's what if that's what Kendrick is going to have to go through to get to the state championship game, they're going to have to earn their way there because those those will be good matchups. Those will be good opportunities for for Zane Hobart and his kids to be challenged a little bit, and it'll be a good opportunity for uh, you know the kids on the other sideline to say, "See, look, it's this isn't a one team classification. We can do it too." Definitely. Uh, so again, bracket talk, maybe a little premature, but I just had to bring that up because as we examine, you know, we're getting into the part of the season now where you can start to kind of see in your head how the bracket might look. So uh, let's wrap up with District 5-6. Rockland lost that close game with, with Grace. Water Springs beat Chalice Mackey in a tight game. North Jam played the Richfield JV, came away with the win. They still won't play each other until we get to October. So we get a couple more non-conference matchups here. Um, you've got this week, Rockland will play Clark County, a, a Bobcats team that's, uh, you know, kind of put together a hybrid JV varsity schedule. Um, that'll be a four o'clock kickoff in Dubois. And then you've got um, also North Gem this week will take on Chalice Mackey. So those are the matchups there. And it's interesting working- in that division since none of them have played. We don't have a, um, we don't have a, a true gauge yet on, on, who's the team to beat, who isn't the team to beat. I know that coming in, I thought that Rockland was going to be the team to beat, and maybe they still will be when it's all said and done. But it's Water Springs maybe has the most dynamic individual performer in Drew Plocker. Um, but then North Gem, you know, Corey Hatch, the head coach there, we're going to run, and then we're going to run, and then we're going to run, and then we're going to tell you we're going to run, and we're going to keep running. And until somebody stops it, um, you, you gotta, you gotta factor them in as the team to beat. And they started a little slow. They've looked a little better the last couple of weeks. Can they continue that trend? Can Rockland get on the upswing? It's, you know, the, those last couple of weeks in, in district five and six in that league, those last couple of weeks, very interesting. Cause I don't think there's a clear cut number one. I don't think there's a clear cut best team. Yeah, it's going to be fantastic to watch all that shake out into October. All right. Well, I said we weren't going to hit every conference, talk about every team, and then that's exactly what I did. So I'm clearly winning at life here. (laughs) Yeah. You're consistent, Uh, if nothing else, right? Right. So that was a pretty thorough, comprehensive breakdown of what's going on in the uh, eight-man circuit this week um, across the state of Idaho. So, um, again, we will be back to break it all down. There's some big-time matchups coming up. I, I think number one is probably Camas County and Castle Ford, and we'll, we'll recap that for you and everything else as well um, next week on the eight-man prepcast. Will, as always, thank you for taking uh, some time out of your hectic schedule to, to talk eight-man football. I, I know the fans really appreciate it. So Yeah, thanks for having me. I appreciate it. Of course. All right. Well, thanks for tuning in, everybody. For Will Henneke, I'm Brandon Bainey, and we'll see you next time on IdahoSports.com.